Hello, my friends. It's Chad. Welcome to the newest segment of the Naked Leadership Podcast called Thanks, I Needed That, where we have real and raw coaching conversations with top performers, company founders, and amazing humans making a difference in their companies, communities, and homes. Each episode, we dive deep into the challenge they are facing and the possibility it presents. This week, Dan engages with Rob an entrepreneur many times over, and now coach to other business founders and their teams. He's determined to make a difference for the people that are looking for help, but that sneaky little phenomenon called imposter syndrome keeps him playing small and missing opportunities to make the biggest impact. If you've ever struggled with feeling like a hack, or if you've ever asked yourself, why would anybody listen to me? This conversation will open up so many valuable ideas for you. Thanks so much to Rob for his vulnerability and willingness to come on the show in a coaching session. Now, let's dive in. It feels good, man. It feels good, right? Yo, yo. I'm in the light at the end of the tunnel. Roberto, good to meet you again. Good to see you, brother. Yes, good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we we know each other well and pretty well. And um, I'm honored that you want to do this. It's exciting. Uh, And so let's have this be the most valuable it can be for you. Why don't you start and tell me what it is you'd want to accomplish here in this next hour together? Yes. And thank you for having me. It's a great honor. And I see the opportunity to grow and be with you in this time. I would love to chat about my confidence level in becoming a coach. I was inspired after going through the Revenant last year with you guys of how I could stand for other people and see them find breakthrough in their life and in their influence and in their business and personal fulfillment started a coaching company and I've since migrated out of my first company, which was a construction company. And I've been doing coaching. I've had maybe about 20 clients and there's days I wake up really excited and confident and feeling like I add value to my clients and knowing that my time is worth compensating. And then there's other days I wake up thinking, who am I to be coaching these people? And like, I need to grow in my own competence in this arena. And well, how can I charge this much? And that kind of that feeling of insecurity, I guess you could say, which has hindered me from doubling down on the business or adding to the website or, you know, hiring any other coaches or really even just getting clear on like, where is this going? Where's the future of this company going? And um, what do I really want from it? And so there's, there's days I love, love, love what I do. And then there's days where I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Where am I going? So I would love to know how you guys have developed the confidence to bet on yourself and double down on the coaching world. Good. So um, let's, let's just get clear about, I just want to get clear about some of the terms. So I we're on the same page, make, because a lot of times, you know, we, we use words and then I go, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. But I only know what you're talking about based on what I made up about it. So let, I, right, I just, right. just ask some, some questions to get connected to what you really mean so I can look from your perspective. All right. So yes. confidence level, meaning tell me what you mean, like confidence. Well, if you had the confidence, what would be occurring that isn't occurring? I believe I would have more 
conviction in casting vision for this company and my future in it, more conviction on my service offerings and price points. I think what would be occurring is less procrastination, <laughs> more activation. And the only thing I really have to compare it to is ministry, because I've been in that world as well, in addition to business and marketplace. Right. And being a pastor and preaching and shepherding my people, I've not struggled with this as much. I know others who have, but I just have always felt like this is a calling. And I have permission to speak into this person's life. And if they don't like the way that this is framed or set up and they don't want me to be their pastor, they can leave. Like, but I'm a pastor and that's who I am. And I'm going to speak into their life and challenge them and love them and, you know, help them grow. With coaching, it's just been, I think if I had more confidence, I would have that same level of conviction to, you know, speak into people's lives without wondering, do I even have what it takes to do this? And am I adding value for these people? Those questions pop up for me and they don't in this other world of ministry. So it's, it's interesting. All right. So just to be clear, you, you, you notice when you change the, like, you went from the in the ministry domain. You didn't worry about. You didn't re reflect on this. Like, oh, am I? Should I be doing this? Am I up for this? Yes. And then you went into the coaching domain, and somehow you start questioning: Am I competent to do this? So, what does it mean to be a coach to you? <laughs> Great question. You can see that you're making something up about being a pastor, right? That you're confident and you're saying, "Well, I can do this." So I'm wondering, what, what are you making up about being a coach? Not that they're the same thing. Well, what I believe it is, is yeah, speaking the truth in love. Okay. What I make up that other people make up that it is, is I don't know why. I, I have a perception that others might assume coaching is has less integrity or it's all about the money or it's about performance or getting a platform or stage or something of that nature. Um, I've, there's been people that critique pastors for like, pastors should not be life coaches. I've heard that before. I actually have had congregants tell me, and they have nothing, they know nothing about my coaching business, but they'll give me feedback. Like I wouldn't even call it feedback, just criticism. Like we don't want your life coaching in the pulpit. We want you to preach, preach the word, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So, well, yeah, there's think, some crossover, but certainly, yeah, I get, they want to hear, they, yeah. they're coming to church to hear the Bible, to hear, you know, the word and how it applies to yeah. their life. And there's certainly wisdom in the Bible that transcends all domains, right? Right, okay. right. Okay. I, I want to believe, and I think deep down believe that coaching is speaking the truth in love and it's standing for people's hopeful future. I've allowed opinion to sway me that maybe it's something else less noble. And I don't want that to sway me. <laughs> All right. So, well, you, 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 let's say you are letting it sway you up until now, right? Yeah. So yeah. what's the, what, what do you get out of that? Like if there was a benefit in letting it sway you, what would be the payoff mm. for, for allowing other people's opinions 
to knock you off. Like you give them your power and you get knocked off a of center. Yes. Yes. Wow. What would I benefit from caving to the fear of man regarding my convictions around coaching? I benefit by weaseling out of having to actually stand for people and grow this company. And, and I'm able to procrastinate. I don't know, avoidance. I, that's a really lame benefit, but I think I gain avoidance sure. of. You, you get to avoid the failure. the Because you're going to yeah. fail along the way, right? I've, I've been doing this for 40 yes. years and I'm still failing my way along the way, right? And so you 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 get out of the oh shoot I missed that and now I need to learn or I get you know feedback, right? And people are going to point out what I missed like that, right? Yes. Fair, All right? Yes. That's pay yes. off. So you can avoid that. You can avoid what else? What what else do you get from mm. you know from this from giving your power away like that? Mm. I think coaching has called things out of me that, that even ministry hasn't, not to diminish the church or world or my faith, but coaching has called greater levels of commitment and integrity and character and relationship and presence out of me. And I think if I can subconsciously avoid pressing further into this coaching world and further into my coaching leadership, then I can avoid my own development and growth, which again, that's a really weird benefit. It doesn't even sound like a benefit at all, but I think there's a payoff of not having to face my own demons. And because it, it, I don't know, I felt I've been more convicted in, in coaching conversations to become a better person than any other place that I've navigated yet up until now. So well, you know, I think it allows me to stay stuck. <laughs> Give me permission to not grow or something like that. Not to act on, on well, it sounds like, and so you edit me if I miss this, but it sounds yeah, like yeah. you've experienced in coaching, like you said, it's called out greater character. It's called you to bigger challenges. You find yourself, I'm making yes. this up, accomplishing what you thought was impossible before and more than you've seen in the church when you've been in the church correct and somehow you've juxtaposed the two and so maybe the payoff is i don't have to doubt my what i think church is or what i think faith is or what i think i'm up to at church something like that yes i get to avoid that conundrum um and yes that's that's very insightful for sure well, you told me, and I, you just, I'm just free framing what you said. No, no bad. Yeah, no, that's that's helpful though. Yeah, it it allows me to, if I can continue to stay in this ambiguous limbo between these two worlds, I don't have to do the hard work of integrating them and sharpening and using them to actually enhance one another. Because yeah. I see a lot of hard conversations down that road. I see a lot of misunderstandings down that road of what I do and who I am and can I hold both of these worlds and then ultimately will one of them win out and then who am I so I don't know I haven't really worded verbalized that until just now 
Well, you know, you know, I'm a person of faith, you know that. So one of the things I, I it sounds like is you know, it's like it takes faith to doubt. You know, that Aquinas, it takes faith to doubt. And in order to doubt, you have to have faith enough to look at what you've had complete confidence in or maybe certainty in and go, mm, do you have enough confidence to doubt and maybe see what's next for you? So so it keeps you from having to do that. I heard something else too. It, it sounds like part of the payoff is you can make this more about you than the clients that you're standing with because you're in a conundrum. Wow. That's not fair to them. What, what, what opens no up? Wonder that I, I, does that hit home? It does. And it, it feels like, well, no wonder I would have wrestlings about what I'm offering and what I'm charging. If it's still partly about me proving something like I, I want, that's the last thing I want this business to be about or my, I'm on the call with the client and I, and there's something that shifts. I do believe when I'm in the moment in the zone with people where it's really, all I can see is where, what, what we're going after together for their future. But yeah. then it's the back end stuff and the planning and the organization and the setting up of this potential business where I definitely feel like there's something in it. Like, yeah, it's, it's making it more about me than about them. I People mean, even call me on it. I'm in these I'm in these business groups, and I'll say I'm you know I'm trying to get this coaching business off the ground, and they're like Rob, you've been you've had this business for one year. Stop. Why do you keep your language is betraying you? Trying to get it off the ground. Like, what is, and maybe it's because I compare that to the construction business that has 30 employees and is you know it's in a different place. So in my mind, this thing that solopreneurship is not off the ground yet. But I also think they're calling me out on something which is a lack of like my chips aren't all in on the table on this thing yet. Well, I mean, and when you're when you're in church, even though you're speaking to the people, it's in some ways you're if if you're on the pulpit, it's about they're talking to you about you and how you're doing, right? And when I work with a client as a coach, it isn't about me. It's about the client. And the only feedback I want, I, I get feedback to see how effective I am with the client. And Really, I want to be I want to be transparent so they can see what they need to mm. teach. Right. So when I ask for feedback, it wow. isn't feedback about me. It's about what's wanted and needed from me to support you. Yes. Yes. It's not just consulting or getting advice. It's getting out of the way so that you can help them go where they want to go. Yeah. And I. And that is different than yeah, preaching and and leading and calling. Like it, it's a it's a different world, and maybe that demands more of me to grow. So something in me needs to shift where it's not about me. Preaching should be that way too. If it's at its best, you're out of the way and letting the I'm, spirit be a conduit through you. Like I'm I'm focused so much then, on you that I disappear. And when I don't, when I show up there's probably something going the plan is it's not going as planned right and so i think there's something wrong bad or broken about me or it or them right like mm -hmm. when i hear you, like like you brought up this feedback you've gotten from people in the church yes. about coaching versus like we don't want your coaching from the pulpit whatever that means i don't even know what that i means. know i'm like well, yeah I, I need to clarify what they're talking about yeah right and and uh, 
Exactly. But you don't, you ever thought about what keeps you from clarifying what they're talking about? Well, we did commit to having a meeting with that person. That was just this week. I got that feedback and I asked them, well, what part of that message did you feel like was life coaching? And if I were calling your life to a greater hopeful future in the pulpit, why would that be wrong? You know? And so they said, well, we got to meet face to face to work all that out. And so we have a meeting on the books. Um, so I think I'm willing to tackle that conversation. Well, what do you Something think? What's, from you guys is like, take the tough conversations first. Let me ask you. Yes. That. Did you ask that person what the purpose of the meeting was? No, it was, you, they wanted to just give me their, they were just upset. And so, okay, let's meet. Okay. So th- they were upset and they wanted to meet, but you don't know quite what is their purpose to own whatever upset them to explore that? Is it to get you to change? Yes. You know, like what, what is really the purpose mm. of, mm. which is the first thing, because look, how do you know you want that meeting? Wow. I think there's a presupposition in ministry that you just meet to Air out the grievance with whoever wants to meet, but that's probably now, would not a you, would, way you, would Jesus do that? Let me just. How about that one? Would Jesus do yeah, that? Gosh, no, I don't think he does. I know. No, there's I plenty of. The I can cite plenty of instances. Like you know, get behind me, Satan's one of them. Like, look, yes. this wow. is about you. This is about you, not me. And now you're becoming a stumbling. Wow. Now, neurologically, I can let me put wow. two two things. In Proverbs or in uh, Matthew 7, it says, you know, remove the log from your eye and you'll see clearly how to remove the speck from your neighbor's eye. In, in neuroscientific, yes. neuroscientifically, there's a, there's a, tr- this is like gravity neuroscientifically, like you, how your body works. The meaning of any communication is in the listener, right? So if I hear something that bothers me from you, where's the meaning coming from of what you're saying? to me it's it's from it's in you it's what you're making up about what i'm saying so if i go what's triggering you exactly i gotta check in what am i making up here because there's another scripture that says great peace of they who love thy law and nothing by any means shall offend them psalm 119 165 right so if i'm getting offended there must be something i'm missing in how i'm loving you or i'm with you how come i can't hear what you say. And if I can't, how willing am I to explore my own thinking, my own perspective, the log in my eye, so I can shift it to hear. And that's what I've experienced in coaching. And that's why I've gotten into it. Right. So right there, it helps, it helps you remove the log and actually love people instead of talking about love, preaching about love, but really we're just offended you know, pew warmers that are wanting to call our pastor out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, think about it. If I'm a coach, all I'm thinking, like the word coach, think about it. It's like a, you know, it's a, with, it's got two wheels. It's a coach and it takes somebody from one point to the other. It's never about the coach Mm. unless the wheel breaks and put it back on, but it's about getting the person from one place to another. Right. They get in the coach and they, they ride it to go from one point to the other. Wow. I think when I was with you guys and have been with you guys, that's what I've experienced. 
I didn't know the coaching industry or world or how many voices there were, or how competitive the landscape was or what social media looked like. All I knew was Revenant changed my life and my marriage. I want to do this for other people. Once I started getting into the world, I'm like, oh, you're a coach? That He's a coach? Everyone's a coach. And then it started to make me less secure in what I was feeling inspired to do. Yes. And yeah. I don't know if you could speak to that because I think a couple reasons I've shrunk back in timidity have been – one, my own doubt and wrestlings and quandaries, which is now I'm seeing is actually a selfish posture and not helping people. But I'm also, I think what's held me back is, gosh, everyone says they're a coach and I don't even want to be compared to those people because that's not what I'm trying to do. And then the third thing that comes up for me, and now this is a lot I'm throwing at you now, but if it's truly about what's best for the client, like, gosh, I should just introduce them to Dan and Adrian. These guys have been doing it way longer. Like, why would I add my voice to the mix? There's other guys that know, you know, if it's truly about what's best for the client, like I'll just create a line and referral for other, other coaches. Like, why do I feel the need to add my distance in this world? Well, it's a stand for me. And if you're going to make a difference, the only thing that makes a difference is a stand. Right. And the stand is the confidence is not that I have some answers or that you have some answers. It's that I I'm committed to what you're committed to. And in the process, I have confidence we will find together what's wanted and needed. Yeah. And, and there are certainly yes. and what we worked with you in the academy was ways of inquiring to open that up. And you've done yes. obviously. You've created credibility with 20 people, and there's no doubt that you are a unique expression and that you're going to appeal to some people that I'm not going to appeal to, and that there are people in your influence, your sphere of influence, that could benefit from your stand, and you can grow yeah. from standing with them as a coach, as somebody who's committed to their commitment, as an, as an you know, you think about it, you're an advocate. You're standing to advocate. And, you know, there's nothing more valuable than to put more eyes on a problem, not less. And put mm. it, particularly to put a pair of eyes that isn't invested in the outcome like the, like the owner is. So you can see things like I can't see my face. You can. Unfortunately, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you, can, yeah, no. <laughs> you can show me what I can't see about me. And you've done that a few times. So you've helped me see about me how I'm with you, right? So wow. So wow. Th those about are all pedigree and and resume as much as commitment. clarity and vision and love. Yeah. And our, and and certainly, comp there's a competency because not yes. all coaches yes. are equal. You know, the average coach in America is fifty bucks an hour, and it's a low entry. Anybody can go out and get a. a, a uh, certification and call themselves a coach and they they may learn some very good techniques etc but it's never the technique it's always the presence that's why we work with that and what we do there's certain ways of listening and then we work with your presence right because that's what makes a difference so I, that, wow. that's, to me that's what occurs when you talk about coaching it's not pedigree it's not having the answers it's the stand that i am and how committed i am to getting, opening a possibility with you, standing shoulder to shoulder wow. with, and then and then advocating for you. Yeah, 
Have you ever thought that what you do is so much more original than what so many people call coaching? Does the language get in the way or is that just semantics and, you know, I need to clarify what I mean by coaching and just take a stand or is it, would it be worth just using a different word? Because people assume so much with that word that I'm like, no, that's not really what I'm up to. Yeah, I think the defining terms makes a big when we when we take a client on and we've shown you this, we talk about terms and what we're really up to. I'm an advocate, I stand with you, I'm a separate set of eyes, you know, and I certainly have uh, you know, I'm really good at asking questions. Uh I'm going to be relentless yeah. towards what you say you're committed to, standing in the future, all the things we work with and ways of bringing that to the surface certainly are part of it. But the main part is your willingness to give yourself to that process and to be a student in the process, which I have seen you be. So, you know, you learn along the way. And to get 20 clients is, you know, you're obviously making, you're breaking through. The results don't lie. Now, how long do you have yeah, your yeah. clients stay on? How, do you have clients that stay on with you? I haven't gotten that far in offering some sort of lifestyle or supplemental package. And and that's another thing I, I've talked to my wife about is I, I need coaching on how to run a coaching business. I think I'm, I'm starting to get fairly competent at the individual relationships and seeing, I mean, I've had clients 10X their income, not that that's what it's all about, but for this person that brought a greater level of fulfillment and, you know, a lot of other uh, outcomes in their life. I've seen clients restore marriages. I've seen a client after 10 years of not going on a single date, now they're engaged and to be married. And that was for them more meaningful than becoming the news anchor that they wanted to become. It's like, I've seen these life just transformational breakthroughs. How many, how many, and, clients, I, and I don't know where to go. I, what's your I renewal rate? From there. Like, Do you know what your renewal rate is? Do they renew? I don't necessarily pitch them on a renewal. I don't, once I, I, all I have clarity on is let me stand with you for eight weeks and then that's it. I don't have an, I don't have events. I don't know well, what yeah. services to put on my web. I have one landing page on my website. People have told me like, what are your packages? What are your, I just, I feel like I don't know how to run the business side. So how long do you want to be confused? Gosh. I mean, I just want to, I want to be clear. No longer. Because if there's no shortage of information on the internet, you know people in the coaching business and others, right, to get information in that regard. But if I stay the question simply do little mini, I can do mini stands for people and then not have to grow. So that's why I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that means look at when somebody's done with a client, when you're done coaching them, do you get feedback? Basic, few a few questions. Yes, yes. Not not a survey form, but yeah, yeah. Not a survey form. You don't get like. Do you give them a feedback form to get find out what worked? You know, all this work we did in the training. What what I, worked? What didn't work? What's wanted and needed? I could do better at that. It's it's generic and it's only two or three questions. You know, what were your key takeaways? What could I have done better? I think it could be probably twenty or thirty questions or something. But or, yeah, or in, your, but in your feedback. calls, do you ask for feedback? What worked on this call? What didn't work? What's wanted and needed? That I have not done. 
Okay, good. No, no, no bad. I'm not trying. So let's say yeah, that's, yeah. let's say that's not an accident. Just like it's, it's not an accident that you give your power away. I don't want to know what they think about my coaching because I make <laughs> up that they don't, it's not as good as a, it's not that good. That's what I make up. Yeah, but you route, you just rattled off results that you've seen from your coaching that have been mm. profound. The evidence doesn't line up with my, so I assume they're going to tell me it's not that great. Let's say they, there's parts of it they really got a lot out of based on results. There's part of it that they didn't get a lot out of. Maybe we don't know what would be, you know, again, we're going to some of the more of the fundamentals mm. we've worked before, but this is fine. This is why, I mean, I have a coach. I have people who coach me still. I've been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. I was doing this before coaching was a thing. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, so, but I know the value of feedback, right? Because feedback helps me understand if I'm hitting the mark or not. Right. So you, in order to be more confident, I have to be, have the faith enough to doubt and listen, see what worked. So I can double down on that. Listen to what didn't work. Think about it. Work it over with my coach, come back out. So if they mentioned packages, Okay, what kinds of packages would be valuable? What would you need next? Mm. How can I provide that? Right, like, mm. but, but if you're coming from, I'm not competent, or I'm not sure I'm competent, or maybe I shouldn't be in this, you're now, your brain's going to go, what? If you start saying that, you start declaring that, you're going to go gather the evidence that you're confused, you don't know what you're doing, maybe you're not meant for this. Wow. Yeah. And then the last thing I'm going to want is feedback because it, it feels too risky Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not secure in the stand I'm making for myself and my future in this company and yeah. my clients. Right on. And that's how you get confident. I mean, that's how you, it sounds more like a courage issue than a confidence issue. Yes. Like the courage to ask what's working, what's not. That's the only thing that's going to make you stronger, clearer, wow. sharper. And then you have to sift wow. out, like like this, this person that you're going to talk to this week, you don't know at the church, you don't know what their purpose is, how much of what, you know, I wonder how much of their experience they're going to hold you responsible for, and what's it going to take to help distinguish the difference between their experience and what you're really doing? How much of that can I learn from? And take with me, how much of it do they need to take with them? Like, like that takes some discipline. Wow. In and that then, world, it, it feels that feels more accessible. There's I have more courage in that world for some reason because I feel there's a 10-year of ministry, like and a and a, a calling these moments with God where I feel like no matter what they say, I can do what you're saying and filter it and, uh, and maybe apply some of it, maybe spit some of it out in coaching. I'm like, well, what, do, what would it say about me if they actually didn't have a great experience? And I'm already not sure if I should be doing right. this. What would they say about, what, what would they say about me? Right. Versus what is wanted from me to support them? Yeah. It's still about me. And that. wow. Maybe you're in the get out of my maybe, own way. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, maybe where you're, what you're in for needs to shift too. Like if this is a validation yes. of you versus an expression of you, you can make that shift. But if you got so focused on them 
you disappear. And the feedback helps you understand how to get to them and their commitment. Wow. Wow. That's in- I, I just thought about this. My dad was a consultant and a coach. Not a coach like you guys are. He was Yeah, but yeah, he's a consultant. Mostly, mostly for the auto industry. He'd go in and teach sales principles. But it was much more flashy from stage. Maybe he'd do some trainings, but it wasn't not like what you guys do. And uh, I wonder if something like that just that's coming up for me right now is like, what if I'm trying to prove that I can do it better than my dad or something, you know, something of that nature? Yeah, like, like you can re-mean that whole past because we know what our differentiator is. We know we have a very powerful differentiator and we're working to get that out there. And when people experience us, we have a very high retention rate and we're producing results, right? So that's how we, yeah, yeah. that's all we care about. Is, are we producing the results? Do our clients keep us on? What feedback do they have to make us sharper, right? Those are, Mm-hmm. And and that you think about it, that's how you have a marriage work. That's how you you know that's how you have any relationship, yes. right? Yes. That's why you're meeting with this person to see what's wanted and needed in the relationship, so that it can be like like you can grow. There can be some synergy. Yes, makes sense. The old Rob would have just given up on these relationships way faster, and Revenant's actually been a huge part of why. I even have these conversations. Bethany, my wife, would kind of joke. She's like, man, pre-revenant, you would have blown this person off. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, you you guys have really helped me to learn to take a stand for others and myself and get not avoid those hard conversations, you know. And it, but now I see an area in coaching that I'm – and they're not even that hard. It's, it's a feedback loop. I'm no, avoiding I, feedback I, loops. I've seen you when you're – up against it and you're good. Well, I've seen it when you're under heat. It's like like when somebody's pressing in, that's a valuable thing to be able to do. I've seen you in hand-to-hand conversation where you've been very powerful and hard on the problem and soft on the person and distinct. I've seen it. I know if you get in there and you give yourself to it, you'll find the resource even if you fail a few times along the way. Yes, yes. Right, right. so that, yeah. you know, so... Confidence comes from really owning what you're there to do. And like, I'm here to see them win. If it's like this, you got to get clear about what you want to have happen with this person when you sit down with them and and get clear what they want to have happen so that you can open the space up in a way and be in it in a way that is beneficial. And you get clear about what's wanted, needed, and whether or not you, you are willing to provide that. Right. And then making a reciprocal compensation agreement that uh, currency financially can flow through that relationship, which is different than ministry, right? It's uh, I'll give everything for free and maybe you might give to the church or not. And I think that's been one of my struggles with coaching is like, there's actual contract and actual agreement. And I think the money is, I want to shift my relationship to the money. I keep seeing it as the stumbling block. Like, man, I, I know I can stand for people and love them when I'm in the moment, but like turning this into a business that generates income 
is that a noble thing? Is that, I don't know, for some reason in my mind, when I'm doing construction work, I say, well, yeah, I'm, we got to get paid for the fact that we're helping build this person's house. But when I'm standing for someone's heart and soul and life, I've always done that complimentary up until now. And that's been one of my little hurdles is like, this is worth, this, this provides value and my time is valuable and it's worth being compensated for. I don't need to shy away from asking for that and being clear about that. So I don't, do you have any thoughts there? Well, I mean, that, that, that's a whole conversation about, there's an exploration there. I'd love to, I mean, I have a lot to say about it, but really more interesting. That would open up a whole can of worms. Yeah. Well, it's fine with me. I mean, I, I want to find out what what's there for you because, you know, when a farmer plants a crop in the field, is he worthy of the harvest? Yes. And no, yes, in the Does sense it, that he sweated and he he put it in the ground. No, in the sense that God brought it through the natural means of creation. If he didn't plant and tend to the field, would he get the harvest? It would, no. It wouldn't come. Right. Yeah. You know, Work. Don't, yeah. don't muzzle the ox. And, you right. know, and, and I can go to, you know. In coaching, I'm getting clear contractually on the agreement fiscally, whereas in ministry, it's voluntarily, spontaneously left up to the conviction of the person. And that, I guess I could adopt that business model, but that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. I, Amy, I, if you want to. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't see the clients I deal with. That's not an issue because they know what they're looking for is worth their time. That's the first thing. For most of my clients, money's not an issue. All of them. Right. What's an issue is their time. Is this worth my time? And I've I know clients who have left other coaches and come to me because, and even though they have money there, they let it go to start a new relationship because they they want their time to mean something, to mm. actually produce something. Right. Again, yeah. it, if yeah. they don't want to pay, I'm not worth it. That's the feedback, you know? So what's it going to take for me to be worth it? That's another conversation. It's not a moral conversation for me. It, how I relate to money is it's, it's an exchange for an exchange. I'm giving my sweat, my, my life experience, my stand, my time, yeah. and they're paying for that if it's valuable to them. And if it's yeah. not, and I want it to be, I want the feedback to understand what that is. I'm not like, I don't go into, oh, you know, I'm a good person or a bad person for doing this. No, it's not that kind of an issue. It's what works, what does. If I didn't do that, it wouldn't work for me. And they, most wow. of my, wow. my clients would say, you know, I have my clients. If I didn't charge what I charge, they wouldn't think it was worth it. Like if you're really good at what you right, do right. at this level, you had a, you know, you, you get paid for it. Otherwise you're just, yes. you're playing games while we're out here playing real. We're, we're playing for real. Right. We're, we're putting points on the board. You're playing, yes. you know, with a video game over there, <laughs> like right. that kind of thing. Right. You have 40 years of value feedback supply and demand, let's say that gives you the confidence to know like, Hey, what we have to offer is worth it. For me, I'm a year into this and I'm in transition from my other company. And I have this ministry where I, where I, I don't have as much data to say like what I have here is valuable. 
Yeah. So it's like, I'm hoping it's like a faith. It's like, and I don't want to have blind faith, which is, I think what you're saying, getting the feedback will really help me yeah. know that what I have is valuable, not just guess that what I have is valuable. Yeah. Like, now, let me ask you, what, what was the purpose of making the distinction between my experience and yours? I don't, I'm not clear. It, Cause you're building some thinking. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm trying to justify why you have more confidence than me. <laughs> believe me, you can tell I've had this confidence. I've had people tell me, well, you're just too certain. And I think when I listen and I've asked for feedback about that and they think because I'm confident that I have some answer going in, I don't. My, my confidence is means with trust. I trust th that I will with this person find what they can't see, we're going to find together a resource or resources that have been left on the table mm. because new, new possibilities. Mm. I've known this from when I started because I experienced it in my, my own life as a young man. I started to see that the new possibilities that were at the table for me often looked like threats when they were there because they were new and they looked like I didn't know that territory. So I thought they were threats. And as I explored them, they became, I, oh, wow, this is actually a possibility, not a threat. It's just calling something out of me I had never had called out of me. Yes. Yeah. It's thrilling if you can embrace it instead of. Yeah. When I am, and look, based on results, you are competent that people are getting value and you've seen the results. Yeah. The feedback yeah. you get will take you deeper into that if you're committed yes. to how did you build trust with yourself when you say confidence is trust and I trust that I will get in the fray and together we'll go on a journey to find the breakthrough that's wanted and needed for them. How did you build trust with yourself? It was more of a who first, who first and a how. I saw what happened for me when I did a training like this back in the, you know, I did a training at LifeSpring in 1978. And I was so impacted that I decided I wanted to do this. I knew this is what I wanted to do. And then I put myself in the most vulnerable situations I could to discover what it would take. I remember the first time I got up in front of a group, I was supposed to do this marketing meeting, right, with like 40 people. And it was in, and it's about a two and a half hour meeting and I must've made every distinction in the first 20 minutes. And then <laughs> people, people started asking questions about what I meant. And then I, I did it that way, but, and it turned out pretty good. But I, I remember the person producing me said, Whoa, man, slow down. I mean, like I came down off a stage after the first hour or 40 minutes. And she said, you just did the whole thing in 40 minutes. It's meant to go over like, can you go back up and answer questions now? And I was embarrassed. I must have been talking 100 miles an hour. I didn't stop and check in with people. There's a million things I didn't do that I, I supposedly knew to do because I was in such survival. So when I went, got back up there and started answering the questions, I got less and less nervous and connected to what's wanted and needed. The very next time I got up, I was much more competent because I felt my, I realized, whoa, well, that won't work. And I need to get off myself and really pay attention to them. Just like you're yes. doing with your clients, yes. right? There's no yes. doubt 
and, and, and then I read and, you, you know, the things we talked about in the academy mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and get yourself a coach, get somebody who understands the game and can stand with you and can help you, you know, think about, put some eyes on what's wanted needed. You, it's not a competency issue. It's an attitude issue for you. Yeah. No, you're no doubt you're competent. I've seen it. Mm. I've seen your competence. I, I would send friends to you. Mm. So wow. that's, Thanks, that's not, you know, it's I, I have, I'd send my, I like, I always think would I have my family work with this guy. Yes. Mm. Right. Cause mm. I've seen you wow. work. I've seen you work and you're out of touch with the impact you're making. I think you ought to get some feedback from your clients. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's encouraging. Thank you so much. Well, it's just, it's the truth, man. You're, you're, you're so committed to being safe in some ways in some up until now that you're, you're not looking at the feedback nor exploring and you're going to be empowered by what's broken through. And you're going to be excited about what's wanted and needed because you're going to be able to provide it just from this call. Wow. I'm watching. Well, tell me what's opening up for you. Well, you said the word survive when you were speaking, you were so so much more interested in surviving that moment that you couldn't tune into the moment. And I think that's actually kind of a little meta narrative I've allowed to be written over this last year of this coaching company will help me get out of the hairball of the construction company, but I need to pay the bills. And I, there's been a lot of survival, which has kept me from zooming or I've allowed it to keep me confused and keep me bewildered and keep me just getting the next check and signing one more client rather than zooming out. Like, what am I up to? And where are we going? And what am I standing for? And am I building this for the long haul? It's like, no, just one more client, one more check. Cause I'm in survival mode. Do you get feedback from your wife? Uh, not in the coaching, not in the coaching. Like how, I mean, in how you're integrating the coaching, the construction, the ministry and your family life. Like she may, and who knows, I, I, she may have really good input about coaching, about what's wanted and needed. She'll say like, when I tell her my wrestlings with ministry and coaching, let's say like we've talked about already on this call, she will say, that's ridiculous. You, the people that are, are your clients are clearly finding incredible breakthrough in what the fruit that we the fruit speaks for itself is what she keeps saying, even in our marriage. And right. That we can, everyone can talk a Christian game. People can talk Bible verses all day, but it, you came back from Revenant a different person. There was transformation that happened and that's what we're after. And so she doesn't, she doesn't understand the dilemma because from the outside, she's like, what's the dilemma? Like people are growing and changing and transforming. Isn't that what we're up to? So that's yeah. good feedback, I guess. Yeah, the, the, I do think it's a false distinction because you make a difference wherever you go. The game might change, so you might have to alter how you bring it, but you're yes. making a difference. Yes. That's really what it's about. So I'm, I'm with her, yes. but I'm, you, you, like listening to feedback and sorting through it and getting very specific will help a lot from particularly around the difference you're committed to making. So like when I asked you, what's the purpose of this meeting? It occurred to me, you automatically just, you're on automatic. Okay, we'll meet. Well, what are we meeting for? What do we want to accomplish? What 
Why are they asking for a meeting? What do they want to accomplish in the meeting? So I can be prepared. A, I can choose whether or not I want to do it. B, if I do want to do it, I can be clear about the stand. (laughs) Right? Wow. I've surrendered my my choice. I've, I've willingly become the victim of more meetings in ministry. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about if you're doing all these things, how that's going to dissipate your effectiveness if you're not clear and intentional about what you're doing in these meetings when you get, when you have Wow. Do I want to have that meeting? It's like error, error. Like I didn't, it's like, I need to restore choice again in having meetings, especially in the pastoral world. I don't like what you already, we already went through with Jesus. Well, let me ask you this question. Is there value in breaking rapport? <laughs> yes, there is. But, yeah. Like if you said to this person, oh, I don't want to meet for that. That's not it. That, I'm not going to. Or if we meet, this is what I'm up to. But, but let's say you turn something down or you decided not to participate in anything. What's the value of breaking that rapport? actually gives feedback to them if they're willing to face it and see it that what they're doing is not working or they're up to something that's not yeah i wouldn't make it about a moral conversation it's not something you want to we're always training people how to be with us so if somebody can just steal my time like they don't steal it i give it to them you know the victim stand i can take as though they're stealing it from me but if, if I give them that time and it's useless, it takes away time and takes away presence from other areas of my life that are more important. So pretty soon, other people in my life, like my wife or children or partners, are complaining about me not getting my work done. And what I'm doing that's is avoiding that by doing things that don't that aren't intentional or don't strategically add to the yes. commitment I am in the world. And then I can say, I'm so busy, or we have too much going on, or I wish I could actually do this, but, you know, we're in ministry, and we have six kids, and instead of taking a stand for where I want to go, and then prioritizing the meetings that are going to, you know, mutually benefit that direction. Yeah, and and there's probably, you know, like thinking about your church, you probably have people in the church that if you really stood up there and were yourself, some are going to leave, but you're going to attract the ones that are going to like the dog food that you're feeding them. Right. And not every church is the same. I'm even more concerned about when those people leave the people closest to me, not understanding, you know, like I think of my best friend, Micah, who helped me start the church. He's applauded me for being willing to meet with people and have these conversations and so I think I also make, it's like, it's interesting how many layers there are. I'm like, okay, if I don't meet with this person that wants to give me. Or you that, meet, or you meet then, with them and, and they don't, they don't like the conversation or they don't get what they want because you're not willing to give it. Like it's not just losing, risking that one. It's the collateral damage. Like when you're in a community with a bunch of people, it's like what's the collateral the so what, what do you see, What do you see the possibility in that? Like, let, okay, so you lay, let's say you have a meeting with this person and, they don't get what they want, what they're going, what they're coming for. Like you're not willing to provide whatever they're asking you. And they throw a tantrum and they talk to multiple people, maybe gossip, maybe slander, and then it's fallout. And then I'm on, 
people. Then there's 10 more meetings, and then I have to clarify my position. And then I, it's well, like a drama. Or you I don't find want. out the quality of the people you're standing with, the quality of their character. If I have to think exactly like everybody or produce the illusion that I do, if we can't have different views and still stand together, like there's a million things we can go through. You're going to find out who's there and whether or not that's really who you want to stand with. And they get to decide whether or not you're who you, they want to stand with. And you can have those discussions. Wow. You can get down to the values and what you're really about. Wow. From my experience, I want to honor the bride of Christ. But from my experience up until now, the church world has been too fragile for the kind of stand you're talking about. Well, great peace of they who love thy law. Like if I'm not at peace, maybe I don't love the law like I think the law being Jesus himself. Maybe I don't love him like I think I do. If I can't embrace and listen to and connect with who's really there. Well, yeah. And maybe that's just worth grieving and taking a stand so we can find a new Christian community that will actually love each other. Because what I've experienced up until now is we, if people get clear, like you're talking about, their relationships do fracture. They don't remain committed like they could be. I've well, seen more commitment in the, the like, like I said, the coaching world than I've seen in the church. That's feedback. And I don't want to be jaded about that. I want to do something about it. No, you can actually be, make a difference that way. And, and, but you'd have to stand that way. And then that, the people who don't want to stand that way legitimately can choose out. No, nothing wrong with them. They're going to go find what they want. And others who want what you, you want will come stand with you, right? Yeah. It, cre- it, it creates an invitation. It's not so ambiguous. It's clear. So who you get is clearly there for what you value. You know, yes. there's, I, I think what I've gotten from people is a lot of this, like the double feet, like for instance, in our little home group, we want more vulnerability. We want more intimacy. We don't want to just be a number. We want to be a family. That's what they say. And then the moment I ask one or two deeper questions, you know, maybe more revenant style probing questions or experiences, um, hey, let's try this. Let's do speaker A, speaker B, and look each other in the eyes and actually answer some meaningful questions. It's just instant resistance. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah. you said you wanted more vulnerability. You wanted more trust. You wanted more relationship. And the moment we start going there, it's like all hell breaks loose. That's just part of human being. That's not just in the church. And and if I can't contain that, then I can never make a difference because that we tend, you know, I've found that taking a stand means you're going to stand out. And when you stand out, you get shot at. Mm. And if you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and if you don't yeah. want to get shot at, you're going to be a lemming, you know, but getting shot at is wow. worth because you find out who's standing with you and who isn't. And it's okay. I'm not fighting who isn't. Wow. I'm just standing. Wow. Yeah. We follow a savior who is murdered for standing. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about this, is, I always think about the Pool of Bethesda. I went and visited it when I was in uh, Israel, in Jerusalem. And uh, think about what he said to that guy. Get up, pick up your bed, and walk and sin no more. And then he walks off. Right. 
confrontational. Here's the stand. Here's what you can do. There's all kinds of the woman at the well. He reads her mail to her. She could have walked mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Right. There's many. You know, get wow. behind me, Satan, to Peter, and even, I mean, even when they all did walk away, right? And he's like, "Well, you still stood me too." And they're like, "Where?" And I, and where I don't mean be self. Yeah. And I don't mean be self righteous about it. It means be clear about what you stand for. It's like you could then. I don't have to be reactive to those who don't want to stand. I can be okay with it. I can be attacked, and and understand and feel it, and you know, but still stand. I think like that's and that's wow. part of coaching. When I go into a client. There are every client I work with at some point, I have to risk their approval. I'm good. I know I'm going to break rapport to open up a conversation they see as a threat, but I think is a possibility. And in order to do that, I've got to, I've got to, I got to reinvent myself so that they can feel me next to them, not trying to manipulate them, but inviting them in to what they are afraid of that I believe ultimately is going to bring forth what matters to them, like we're doing here. Wow. Willing to temporarily break rapport to hopefully more permanently bring relationship and commitment. Well, the bottom line is a stand. I mean, if I'm standing, I don't have to worry. I'm going to find those opportunities when they come up, I'll take them and I'll be hard on the problem and soft on the person, but I, I'm going to be relentless. Yes, yes. I can see what's, I want to get to that, you know, the elephant in the room so we can ride it. Right. And, you just trust and believe that even if you lose rapport and potentially relationship with people and others are then also attracted to you, there's enough resources in the world that you will have community fulfillment and, and financial, you know, uh, yeah, I do. I, acumen and ability. Like, I think what I make up is, gosh, if I took a stand that strong, I might, I, it's a scarcity mindset. I'm not going to have enough resources. I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to have enough relationships if I take those kind of stands. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've, you know, you know, I just lost my grandson. And in the face of that, it occurred to me again, none of that matters really. Because yeah. those who want to leave are going to leave. And none of us are getting out alive. So how do I want to live now? And if somebody, yes, did, yes, I, and I'm going to yes. make mistakes, I'm going to make mistakes. I have, and I continue, I'm sure I will continue to. And, but those mistakes don't have to, you know, a mistake is a lesson, not, you know, it's, it's not a sentence. And some people may want to use it as a sentence. I don't have to. So they can have truth in, in their feedback, but I don't have to buy the sentence. Right. Right. I, I, because if I did, then all I'm going to do is live in shame. And there's nothing, there's nothing but that's, that's like making a tough situation into hell. I'm not into that. So, wow. Wow. you know, and, and that, that's part of, you know, that part of self-governance, you know, so I'm not interested in being self-righteous and, oh, I'm always right. But I, I am also not into being, you know, a doormat and, oh, I'm unworthy because, yes. you know, and beat myself. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm. I if I care about something bigger than me, then I'm probably going to die multiple times to get there. <laughs> so good. Oh. Yes, but I mean, well, that's, what I've experienced from you is an ab- abundance mindset of there's resources and relationships out there, and by taking this stand, I won't lose them all. I will gain some, and that's a 
that's this mental shift that I, I think I need to embrace is this abundance. And it's the scarcity that keeps me. It's like, well, I don't want to lose what I've, what we have yeah. here in this. Playing not to lose. Yeah. Playing not to lose. The, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right on, man. I mean, you, you, I mean, you know, and we, we get it on and off of that game. That's why it's important to surround. I surround myself with people committed to what I'm committed to. And we're really clear about it. Like Chad, like Adrian, like, you know, all my partners, yeah. et cetera. And, and my wife, et cetera. And your wife's on board with you. And it's those people that I'm listening closely to because they're committed to what I'm committed to. And they can see me better wow. than I can see myself. So if you you have that core community and you get aligned, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to see when you're off path and what it's going to take to get back on, right? What's wanted and needed. And I would be asking for the feedback when things, you know, I, I'd be talking yeah. to my clients. Yeah. So, yeah. And be willing to endure the pruning. You know, yeah. Sure. Jesus goes from 5,000 to 12 and he didn't take it personal. Like I've got I'd be, to be willing I'd, to. I'd be grateful for the pruning because the spring yeah. is coming. You know, the fruit's coming. Yes. So, so let me know what, 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 what actions are you going to take out of this? I'm going to, I'm committed to going to my previous client and developing a feedback form, having them fill it out, and then doing a follow-up call with my clients on what worked for them, what didn't, what would, what could I do to continue standing for them, what else would they like to see in the business or in the experience for them. I'm committed to calling this person that wants to meet with me and getting clear about the purpose of that meeting and doing that moving forward with other meetings, particularly in ministry and not just allowing myself to bend to the expectation that meetings are assumed. I think those two things is where I'm going to start. Right on. And and if I can be of any assistance, you know, let me know. Just give me a ring, send me an email. Certainly, I have all kinds of forms and things that we can support you with. But I'd be happy to, you know, help you get this thing off the ground. So, so just meaning, call me. Let's have a couple of calls. Let's see what we can chunk yes. down. All right. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Love you. Love you too, man. Thank you for taking the time. Yes, so. absolutely. All right, brother. Bless you. Okay. See you next time. Thanks, man.